Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 5 through 10, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 12 through 10, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 6, verse 17 through 26, and Psalm 1. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Throughout this season between Christmas and Lent, we keep focusing on these readings from 1 Corinthians, these, these segments, these portions of a letter that Paul has written to a church that he planted. Last week, we had a guest preacher, Mark Jefferson, who, preaches, who teaches preaching at uh, Virginia Theological Seminary. He preached four different sermons on the same text over four, uh, over four worship services. I don't think many of you were there for all four, so... You can know that you can find them all online and you can listen to these four different uh, meditations on one text. But uh, he he did a lot of wonderful uh, exposition as as we all should get a sense of context for who this letter is meant for. It's a church. It's a group of people in Corinth in this this Roman town in Greece that uh, that have mostly predominantly Gentile folks who have come to believe in Jesus and are now trying to share life and community as if this Jesus thing is real. And all of Paul's uh, letter, throughout the whole letter, he's working with them on what it means for them to be community, to live as if it's true that Jesus is Lord and that this has something to do with them. And so he's addressing different aspects of their lives, different complaints they've made, different concerns and questions they've had, different things they've just gotten wrong. And today we reach just about near the climax of his letter with what we heard Nancy read when he's talking about the resurrection of the dead. Being raised back up. You die and then get raised back to new life because that's what happened to Jesus who died and got raised up. And Paul goes straight at it and says, there are some of us who are trying to believe in the whole Jesus thing without believing in the resurrection of the dead. And he says, that doesn't work. For Paul, he's trying to get us into a place where we understand that Jesus is not just a teacher or a healer, but someone who has, whose life and death and resurrection has made an, a change on the world. The world experiences transformation because of what God has done in Jesus Christ. It's not just a fable or a metaphor or an idea that makes us feel good right now. As Paul said, if just for this life we hope in Christ, then we are the people most to be pitied in the world. But why does he have to say all this? What, what are they, Christians who don't, aren't sure about the resurrection? What are they, Episcopalian? Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Christians who don't believe in the resurrection, what, what is going on, you might wonder? Well, I think it's actually pretty simple. Resurrection from the dead is a completely unreasonable thing to believe in. It is unreasonable. People live, and then they die, and that's it, and that makes sense. It's sad, 
but it's the way of things. Just like everything else in the world, there's life and then there's death, and that's that. But, but Christians are saying that there's something after death. That there's not just something after death, but there's life and love forever after death. They're saying that when you die and your body is put into the ground, that's not the end of you. And they're saying that that's true because they've seen a person who was raised from the dead. We heard about that last week. Jesus, whom so many people witnessed, raised from the dead. There he is. We saw him. He was dead and there he is alive. This is an unreasonable thing, but we've seen it happen So we have to believe in it. So now what do we do? How do we live as if this unreasonable and unbelievable thing is true? 2,000 years later, this is still a tension in our lives. Whether or not we feel comfortable professing the resurrection of the dead, the raising of Christ, and our own life after death, whether or not we feel comfortable saying it's sort of like, oh, sure, I believe in that. Do we live as if it is true? We're worried. We're worried about seeming unreasonable. This is a big deal for Episcopalians, by the way. We do not want to seem unreasonable. That baby is not bothering us. He does not have to leave. You can leave if you want to, but not for this people. We're fine. We love that baby, and he's, he's doing just fine. Okay? Please no. Please no. I mean, if you feel like you need to at some point, that's your business, but not for these folks. We're all good. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. We want so badly to be reasonable people, Episcopalians. We don't want to be, so many of us come from other traditions, and we, and and a lot of times when you talk to Episcopalians, we love to talk about how we're not other kinds of Christians. Like that's a badge of honor. Because it's so important for us to seem what? Reasonable. And hey, I joke about it, but I get it. I get that we see other people hurt people we love in Jesus' name and stand up for things that we find abysmal. And they do it in Jesus' name, and that's scary. And maybe, maybe we have hurt, I have absolutely hurt people in Jesus' name growing up. So maybe we're scared of what is meant for us and what we don't want to be. We're also in a time in our country that is so divided. And there are so many extremes pulling at us from so many different directions. We don't want to be seen as extreme. We want to be seen as reasonable. I understand that. We don't want to do things that make us look like impossible and crazy and unreasonable people. And the reality is the resurrection of the dead is kind of impossible and unreasonable and crazy, and believing in it makes us a little nervous. Today we celebrate in this in the Episcopal Church the feast day of Absalom Jones. Absalom Jones was the first Episcopal priest uh, who was African-American. The first African-American to be ordained as a priest in our tradition, in the Episcopal Church. In the early 1800s, I believe it was 1805, but I might have gotten that wrong, he was ordained as a priest. 
Now, Absalom Jones didn't start out an Episcopalian. He was going to a different church. I won't make fun of that denomination because we've got our own problems. But he was going to a different church. He and a group of friends, they were part of an integrated church that had black people and white people in the same church, but all of the white people sat on the ground level and all of the black people were in the gallery, which was further back and up in the balcony. And the African-Americans in that congregation said, um, yeah, that doesn't work for us if we're serious about being one community. Maybe we act like it. And they were told just to, you know, stay in their place. And what happened was they staged a walkout one Sunday. All the African-Americans in that congregation got, came to the center of the floor, prayed a prayer, turned around and walked out of the building. And that makes sense. That makes sense. And I'd like to say that if I was there, I'd be with them, walking out. But I see how I'm dressed. And I think about what it means to try to keep a church together. And I think about how I might have been the priest that watched them walk out. And might have counseled them, just stay a little longer. We're trying to get it right. Let's, not, let's just move at a pace that makes sense for everybody. I might have been a person that counseled trying to be reasonable and not acting too extremely. I could see myself being that kind of person. And I wonder what it would take to get a whole group of people to stand up and march out of this place. As the guy dressed like this, I don't ever want to find out. But because in our church, that seems extreme. Just getting up and walking out seems extreme. And we are scared of seeming extreme and unreasonable. I was reading something yesterday that said that at the time of Martin Luther King Jr.'s death, he had a favorability rating in this country uh, in the low 40s. One national poll ranked him as the second least respected person in the country at the time of his death, the first being George Wallace. We talk about Martin Luther King Jr. now as if it's obvious. He's this beloved figure that everyone points to. In fact, whenever there is strife in our time, we point to him, especially white people point to him and say, why can't it be more like him? Except when he was doing what he was doing, guess what they called him? A radical and an extremist. You may be familiar with the letter from Birmingham jail that he wrote while in jail for protesting peacefully. You may not know that that letter was a response, much like all the great epistles we read on Sundays, like Paul's letter is a response to his congregation in Corinth. Dr. King's letter was a response to a group of clergy in Alabama. Six clergy people signed that letter two of them Episcopal bishops. And they said, look, we're with you on principle, but let's not be unreasonable, shall we? The letter that they wrote was called A Call for Unity. A Call for Unity. Ooh, I want to call for unity. I want us to be united. I want us to be on the same page. 
I don't want to be considered extreme. I'm scared of some of the extreme things we've seen happening in this country. They terrify me. But I'm convicted by the reality that people like us have so often been extreme about being reasonable and moderate and not been willing to be extremists for Jesus. And I don't mean going out and harming people in Jesus' name. I mean the way Dr. King said, if you want to call me an extremist, call me an extremist for love. May love be the truth of my life and may it change the way that I live. The people in Corinth want to have a church and want to believe in Jesus, but don't want to do anything unreasonable, anything that will make them look ridiculous. And Paul is saying, you believe in the resurrection of the dead. Ridiculous is too late. It's done. Now live as if it's true. Now live for each other. You're afraid of being seen as as extreme. You are extreme. Now be extreme for love and care. Paul doesn't tell people that because of the resurrection, they should go out and lead an insurrection. Paul doesn't tell people that because of the resurrection, they should go out and make more people Christian. He doesn't tell them that because of the resurrection, they should go out and make everyone like them. He tells them that because of the resurrection, their deepest responsibility is to create a community that is structured around love and kindness and justice and peace. That they would create a life together where all people are treated as if they are beloved and belonging. That's what he sees as the result of believing in the resurrection. You believe that your soul is immortal and that the person in front of you is completely beloved? Now create a community that looks like it's true. Sometimes that community will seem unreasonable. Sometimes you will do something embarrassing. And I know that this is hard for us to hear there are worse things in the world than doing something embarrassing. There are worse things for our souls than being seen as extreme in the cause of love. I am so grateful for this letter to the Corinthians And for the strength that it gives us. Because it's not just about believing the right things about God. It's about understanding something that is true for ourselves and for each other. The last thing we hear Paul say today is Christ is raised as a first fruit, as first fruits of the dead. This wonderful sort of mysterious poetic language. Well, what are first fruits? This is a real easy one. They're the first fruits. (laughs) Guess what comes after them? A lot more fruits. That's why they're not called the only fruits or the unique fruits. They're the first that signal a harvest, that the harvest is about to begin, that the fruitfulness of something is just at at its genesis. Jesus, 
the first fruits of the dead, by the fact of his resurrection and the truth of his eternal belovedness, makes that resurrection and eternal belovedness true for all humanity, true for me, true for you. We are eternally belonging to God. In a love that is more powerful than death, you and I and all the people we see are belonging and beloved. Believing this at all times and in all places will make us unreasonable. Creating churches and cities, communities that act as if every single person truly is valued and belonging will make us look extreme and ridiculous. This is how we live into the truth of God's love.